The Spanish island of Mallorca inspires many authors, either as a subject for their work or somewhere they put pen to paper or fingers to keyboard. George Sand, Robert Graves, Geoffrey Archer, Peter Kerr and Anna Nicholas are only some of the best-known authors linked to this largest of the Balearic Islands. A surprising number of authors have made Mallorca their home or favourite writing place and in each episode of this podcast series you'll hear my conversation with one of them giving you an insight into their writerly life. Welcome to Authors in Mallorca with me, Jan Edwards. What makes us exercise? That's one of the questions the fitness author Simon Kenyon Shears addresses in his first book, Working It Out. Subtitle, A Story About Life, Laziness and What Actually Makes Us Exercise. For Simon, writing the book was a journey of exploration and discovery, as you'll hear. Although the book is so far only available for pre-publication orders, Simon has had more than 20 articles published on the Medium digital platform and writes a regular column for the Mallorca Daily Bulletin. He has an engaging writing style and after reading a few of his articles, I jumped onto my rather neglected exercise bike for a session. We met up in his hometown of Santa Maria in Mallorca, where I asked him how he got into fitness. I got into the fitness business because I was writing a book on fitness. Oh, that's interesting. I assumed it would be the other way around. No. The way it started is I studied philosophy uh, at St Andrews. I got an MA there. And then, uh, not knowing what to do with my life, I ended up doing lots of things on boats, as do many people from Mallorca. And then I gradually wanted to do more stuff with philosophy. And I went, was it seven years ago? I went to New York to do a course with the American Philosophical Practitioners Association to become a philosophical consultant. And I wanted to move into that. But I sort of thought, what do I really know about? And what could be sort of a segue into that? Because I felt a little bit disingenuous having done a three-day course in the United States. I did have my degree, but I felt a bit disingenuous suddenly trying to charge people. So I thought, what do I really know about? And I'd always been into fitness. I'd done CrossFit uh, quite religiously for a while. And I thought, I think that's a good, uh, a good segue. Well, the way the book started is I decided that I was going to give a series of talks on how you can do more exercise. So I contacted the owner of the local gym in Hamburg when I was living at the time. He was the owner of his name, Simon Muller, and he owned CrossFit St. Pauli. And uh, we went to a little cafe in uh, Sternschanze, Hamburg. Uh, it's called Cafe Rolo. And I said, listen, I'd like to do a series of talks. Can I use your gym as a venue? And he said, well, I'd like to do a talk. And he said, yeah, Simon, no problem. Yeah, all good. So he left, and then I sort of thought, okay, right, I'll start writing this talk. And I started writing, you know, a sort of a talk. And then I thought, oh, that was a different idea. I thought, okay, well, that'll be a second talk. And I thought, oh, well, you could probably do a series of talks. So I started jotting down a bunch of different topics for a series of talks. And then right there and then I thought, I can write a book about this. And then I just started vomiting it all out mm. onto paper as fast as I could, everything I could think about fitness, anything that applied. And it just went from there. Later that year, I thought, okay, well, I'll do my course as a CrossFit coach my level one trainer course. And then I started working freelance as a coach in Hamburg. And then I kept working on the book for quite a few years and finally made the decision to quit my old job and make the full transition into being a coach and also applying what I've learned writing the book to what I do as I mentor my clients into an active lifestyle. Interesting. I assumed you would have been a fitness instructor who'd have thought, no, let's write a book like Joe Wicks. Yeah. <laughs> yes, like Joe Wicks, but... Uh, 
completely the opposite. It's uh, a it's a different kind uh, he of. He studied book. sports science, and you know he's been a coach for a really long time. I'm I'm a real novice, really, when it comes to coaching. I mean, I'm learning a lot, but uh, no, I I thought I'm not going to be able to present this book, present the image of someone who knows about fitness and sell the book and sell it to literary agents if I don't work in the industry. So I just started working in the industry. Yeah, it gives you credibility, doesn't it? We'll talk about the book in a moment, but we, you have been doing other writing because you write sometimes for the Mallorca Daily Bulletin. Yeah, oh, just over two years ago now, I started writing for the Bulletin. It's Most of that time, it's been every sort of fortnightly. There was a short period where I was doing it weekly, uh, but now I just do it fortnightly. And yeah, it's been good. It's been fantastic. The problem is that most of my book, or at least the first three chapters, I wrote in a lot of detail before I started writing for the paper. And even though I'd been improving as a writer, nothing quite improves your writing, like being forced to, you know, pull out an article, um, you know, a sort of thousand word article every couple of weeks. And that has really improved my writing. It's I feel like it's, you know, more concise, snappier to the point. And then just the ability to organize ideas quickly has really made me a lot more efficient writer. And so reworking the book with that skill has been good. You obviously enjoy writing. What is it you, you enjoy about it? Well, I think there's a lot of things I like about writing. One thing that comes to mind is that I think, and that's just what I tell people, I think, and this sounds terrible, but I think I like writing because I get to say what I want to say. and don't have to listen to what other people have to say <laughs> back, which is nice. I'm basically just talking all the time as I'm writing, and this is what I have to say, and this is my very clear idea, and that's something I enjoy. I also think I just have, it sounds arrogant, but I studied philosophy and I always felt like I had a way to explain or answer difficult problems that might prove useful to, for people as well. I thought, well, if I'm going to do that, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to just stand around and talk to people. I need a medium to pass that on to. And even though I was never really a good writer, I thought, well, if you're going to do that and you really think you can do that, then you're going to have to learn how to write and you're going to have to start writing articles and you're going to have to start writing a book. That's what I did. Did you take any formal writing training or, or follow any courses? Well, obviously, I'd done, my, I'd done my degree in St. Andrews and then I did do a year, and strangely, I did a year uh, studying marine biology in Southampton. And I say strangely because... I, I say, well, I say strangely because it was there where I actually had a module on writing, ah. which if I'd had it when I was studying writing essays for philosophy in St. Andrews, it would have been very useful. My writing would have been much better. You know, they introduced me to, you know, like little manuals like The Elements of Style from White and Strunk, which really simple stuff, but it improves writing exponentially. Uh, and then I also, about three or four years ago now, I did a six-week online creative writing course with uh, Jericho Writers in Oxford. Oh, yes, I remember. The man who started Jericho Writers... I interviewed him on the BBC oh, cool. when his first book came out. All right. He's done incredibly well. I'm a, I'm a member. Yeah, it's a very helpful site. Well, I, I mean, the course was excellent. It was extremely, extremely helpful and just so well put together and taught me so much about, you know, just how to engage a reader, really, which uh, was completely over my head beforehand. And the problem was that he did say that my strongest writing was first-person narrative. And so even though I'd already written the book two different ways at that point I then scrapped it and started writing it again from the beginning oh my goodness in first person narrative so how did you feel about that realizing that you needed to have written it a different way I wanted to write the best way I could I wanted to present a lot of ideas about psychology and about science and about behavior but I wanted to present them with characters and individual stories individual events 
didn't seem to work. So I wanted to string it all together. But at one point I wrote it from a third person narrative. And then at one point I just wrote it as without a story and just as a science book. But then it was writing as a science book. It was always like, suppose there was someone in this scenario. And to restart that and have the reader start up again in a new situation for each lesson or each each bit of, you know, each topic. I thought, well, it's going to be far more engaging to the reader if they have an emotional investment in these characters right from the off. And so, you know, obviously I was trying to get the reader through all these <laughs> philosophical and psychological and, and scientific ideas. It sounds as if it could have been quite a complicated book to write. Tell us about it. Sell me the book. Sell you the book. Well, the book blends drama with science and trivia to dispel the myth that exercise takes self-discipline and to explain what actually makes us exercise. And I blend evolutionary psychology with anthropology and economics and sociology and philosophy to bring about answers that aren't the sort of flat line that we always hear. It's like people that don't exercise lack self-discipline and people that do exercise regularly are self-disciplined and that's the end of story. And it's just... It's completely wrong. And it's unfortunate because so many people then feel like they lack some inherent trait and like they're missing this self-discipline for exercise. And that's just not how, that's not how we work. No, if you believe that about yourself, it'll be harder to change, won't it? As well. When I started writing the book, I knew next to nothing about the book I wrote. It was, uh, yeah, the Dunning-Kruger effect. I, I thought I knew a little bit and found out I knew absolutely nothing. So it's been fascinating journey of exploration and research and, and you know unpacking these topics i looked at the problem of what actually makes people exercise and that if you think of it it's like an object that i put in front of myself and then i sort of looked at it from every possible angle and noticed different detail in it and, and different ways of explaining the, what the object was and I, I think i got all bases covered but i'll leave that to every reader who comes across it yeah who do you imagine reading that book Young men, I think. Maybe older men as well. Maybe middle-aged and younger men for two reasons. One is that I know more about my experiences with exercise than I know about, about women's experiences. I've put in strong female characters in the book. I've sort of written it to appeal to a sort of more blokey kind of, uh, right. kind of audience. If we were to walk into a bookshop, Waterstones say, whereabouts would they put the book? Pop psychology, sports. Those two, because even though there is a story to it, there's a non-fiction element to it, the book is first and foremost a science book. Right. Presumably you have a lot of references in it as well. Yes. How did you cope with that? Because that can be quite difficult, can't it? Amassing all the references that you need and then be sure, being sure that they're accurate. And... It's something that I've tackled in stages because I didn't really get it right when I was at university. I know I had some modules that did explain the different types of referencing formats and so on for scientific papers. But that get that as well was just a, a real learning curve and something that I then I then had to return to the book and then I would say every time I've made a statement or claimed something about the way chimps behave or whatever that might be, or I then had to say, Okay, well, okay, you've claimed this here, so why don't you, you know, find the research on it and then reference it accurately at the back of the book. And so that's something that I had to invest time in and then realise that it's just a gradual process of realising that if I want the book to be of the standard that people are going to take it on board and think this is a serious science book, then it's something I had to do. So I just pursued it like that. I didn't initially. 
<laughs> You've obviously learnt a lot as you've gone along, and you're very disciplined. The book's taken quite a long time to write. What sort of processes do you have for writing? Are you someone who gets up at six o'clock in the morning and, and writes for a couple of hours, or how does it work for you? Yeah, so a lot of the time it is it is early mornings. I find that when I wake up in the morning, my brain is just sharper, it's clearer, especially for editing. Editing, most editing can happen any time of the day or even on coffee. For a long time, I couldn't even drink coffee in the morning because if I was tackling a chapter and I thought it was conceptually difficult, then I had to have a very clear head. I had to be first thing in the morning. And many chapters I spent weeks, months, some I had to return to a year later to think, what is it exactly I'm trying to say and how am I going to present that to the reader? And, and then, you know, putting the chapters in the right order... I used to just constantly complain to myself that I needed someone with a brain bigger than mine who could help me, but there was no one there to do that. And so it was just a case of just keep going, keep going at it until suddenly it started to finally start to fit into place. It's like a very big puzzle and just constantly picking up little pieces and trying them in a different slot and rearranging. Until you feel it's right. Yeah. Suddenly everything just slots into place. And when everything slots into place... It's like a puzzle. Suddenly the picture's clear. It's like, oh yeah, the picture makes sense. Oh, I can see what it is. Oh yes, good, now everything's clear. So nobody else, you haven't put it in front of a, another writing colleague and said, what do you think? I have, since I finished it. So right. since I sort of was 99% finished, I've given it to a few friends. One friend who's really into science and psychology and reads lots of science books, and I said, review the science. I gave it to another friend who is a script writer, writes a lot of scripts, reads a lot of scripts. I said, just review the general feel of the story and the characters, what needs changing. And I just gave it to different people for, you know, different input and then took that on board and it made not massive changes, but definitely made some changes. So the manuscript is finished. Yes. What, what did you do about a cover? So the cover, just because I just yesterday went in to get a couple of polished samples printed uh, i've been working on this past week and i i used canva but i used canva with a lot of input from my cousin who's very good with with photoshop and another friend of mine who's a graphic designer and then a lot of friends whose opinion i respect and just just to kind of get a general feel of do you like this idea do you like the gorilla with some dumbbells do you like the empty sofa um do you like just the set of pair of trainers looking as well at lots of different books that i like Lots of Malcolm Gladwell covers. And then finally settling on something for these for these first uh, this first batch. You will at some stage want to get it published. You've already done some submissions, haven't you? Yeah. Have you been direct to publishers or through an agent? I've only been sending to agents. I just Googled the top literary agencies in, in the UK and then I started working my way down the list. Obviously I would always check for specific agents and go through their profile and see if they've sort of matched my interests and, and they take on my sort of book. But no, as of yet. Well, one one did. Andrew Lowney came back and said, interesting, let's see some more. Uh, give me a, a sort of more detailed synopsis per chapter. But then he said it wasn't the book for him. Yeah, see how long that glimmer of hope carries mm. me for. And at that stage, you'll think about self-publishing or do you think you go and do that anyway? I'd like to get to 20 submissions, and if that's 20 rejections, then, then it's 20 rejections. But I'd like to get to 20. As you probably know, it's a painstakingly slow process because some say that they'll take up to three months to get back to you. Some literary agents say they don't want you to send off or submit to anyone else when you submit to them. And it's like, so you don't want me to submit to anyone else, and it's going to take three months. 
come on, you're killing me. <laughs> so I, I have been sending it off to, to a bunch. I started it in November and I've sent off 15. And they're a bit of work, you know, you've got to find the right agent and they all ask for something slightly different. So I, I've done that. Uh, and I also just didn't want to just sort of sit waiting. I, th- I thought, you know, the reason I chose to write a book, because I've had other projects and I've sort of been working with other people and not too many, but I like the idea of a book because I was like, Simon, that's going to be on you. From start to finish, that's going to be on you. And just because I finished the manuscript, I suddenly didn't like the feeling that then I was waiting on other people to help me get to whatever I see the finish line. And for me, the finish line is just, you know, being able to meet somebody and say, oh, yeah, you're interested in exercise, you're interested in doing more exercise. I wrote this book. Here's the link. You can, you can purchase it online. That, for me, is the finish line. You know, there's, not, there's nothing further than that. And I thought, well, you know what? I can still progress towards that finish line independently. Well, good luck with that. Thank you. When this one is out of the way and yeah. published by either by you or by a traditional publisher, do you have ideas for other books in the future? I do, yeah. When I started writing this one, as I said, I just kind of bombarded out everything I could think about fitness. And I was working with a, a friend, an acquaintance uh, from the uh, uh, American Philosophical Practitioner Association from APA. And she's like, Simon, you know, you've got you've to sort of break this up and decide what it is you're writing about. And so I sort of, instead of just writing generally about fitness, I said, okay, right, I'm going to write about what is it that makes people actually exercise. I'm going to pone in on that question. So the rest of it went to one side and, and the rest of it was sort of more about why we should exercise. And I know that might sound like what, what makes us exercise and why we should exercise seem to go together. And I think the point of my first, this book now is that, well, most of the time they don't go together because a lot of people think about why we should exercise and we think, oh, well, it's because I, I should, because I'm going to be healthy in the long run, you know, because I'm going to abate hypergenetic diseases in my, in my later years. And for most people, especially if we're younger, we can't really connect with those consequences. We have no idea what it's going to feel like when we get older. And that's not really what makes people exercise. And so people in their teens, 20s, 30s, and even, even sort of early 40s, which I guess the book is for, because we haven't experienced those consequences of an inactive lifestyle, it's not something that motivates us. And so even though we know why we should exercise and we can sort of manifest those ideas, it's not actually what makes us exercise. Exercise is all sorts of evolutionary psychological forces going on, going on you know, behind the scenes. So the second book, if I do write it, is just going to be why we should exercise. What are the personal the benefits what are the benefits to your inner circle of friends your family what are the benefits to your community what are the benefits to society and there's a whole moral perspective on that as well so again it'll be a blend of philosophy and and science and then i have an idea that it was going to be an article but i'm thinking it could be a book it's a little bit different that's about the origin of god actually Um, an explanation for god interesting which weirdly does tie in with the whole fitness theme because I, I sort of present myself as, you know, the fitness author in inverted commas. And for me, one of the things that would go in the second book and something I've written about before is that we have this misconception of fitness. Fitness is something, a word that came from evolution and it used to be synonymous with suitability. And so people say, I want to be fit. I say, well, what do you want to be fit for? What's the context? And with sports, it's easy. It's like, well, I want to be fit to play rugby. Or I want to be a fit ballerina. It makes sense. But this idea of general fitness... I think is a little bit flawed. And then it ties in with fitness, evolutionary speaking. What does it mean to be a fit human being, evolutionary speaking? And then we talk about what it means to be integrated into a healthy, successful community across time. And then that does tie in with religion. But it's, it's, it's a lot more 
theology, philosophy, mm. even though it's still tied in with science, it definitely moves away from the individual's perspective, which is what this first book And a lot of people can't find a, um, a commonality between religion and science, can they? Well, I think that's what it is. I think I'm more interested in that book about God, because this first book, like I said, I, I like to take on difficult questions. Everyone's been told that exercise takes self-discipline. Well, I think that's wrong. Let's dispel that. Let's tell everyone what actually uh, makes us exercise. And everyone thinks that you can't conflate science with the religion. Well, maybe you can. Maybe you can actually understand God from a, a different perspective, in an evolutionary perspective, and understand why we manifested that idea. Would you describe yourself as a religious person, or are you just looking at this from a scientific point of view? It's become a really tricky question to answer. So because I would have definitely said I'm not a religious person for a long time. I'm definitely not an institutionally religious person, even though I did have chapel every morning when I went to boarding school in Dublin for three years, and including Saturdays and Sundays, an hour on, on Sundays. That so, could be enough to turn some people off, Simon. <laughs> well, yeah, possibly. You know, it's like to say I'm not religious would be to say that I wasn't influenced by that, but obviously I was influenced by that. And, and this is where... For a lot of people, when they say, are you religious? Then it's like, do you sort of ascribe to the institutional religious, you know, sort of system? And they're like, well, no, I don't. And I don't. So I guess in that sense, I'm not religious at all. But then are you religious in the sense that you sort of have kind of religious belief? But then we get into the semantics of what we mean by religious in terms of, does is religion sort of in somehow synonymous to spirituality? And then we get into things that are quite abstract and philosophical, but there's stuff I, I think about a lot. It's about like the nature of belief. And so, for example, a lot of people will say, I don't believe in astrology. And if you ask me, I'd say, do you believe in astrology? I'd say, well, based on what I've read and the science books I've read and like, you know, well, I would say there isn't a big enough foundation for me to believe in it. You know, it's not a scientific basis for me to believe. I don't believe in it. But then if you were to suddenly say, oh, Simon, what, what horoscope are you? Oh, you're Pisces. Oh, well, I've just read that, you know, this year Pisces is going to have a fantastic year. You're going to make lots of money. Now, I probably have a physiological reaction to that. I probably suddenly produce serotonin and dopamine in my brain. And it's like, well, you said you didn't believe in it, but you had this reaction. And we see that across things like like ghosts or other superstitions. And I don't believe in superstition. A black cat's around across your path, you're going to have bad luck today. And I think some, a lot of people that say, oh, I'm not superstitious, would still have a physiological reaction to those statements. So maybe you were asked, wanting to go in so deep when you asked me if I was religious. But this is what I sort of think about when people ask me that sort of question. It's, it's tricky to unpack exactly what the question means and then... I can, I can understand that. You're obviously a very deep thinker about all these things. You've got masses of stuff that you can write about, I think, from what you're saying. You're constantly thinking about these new ideas and how you can format them into books or, or to articles. What would be your dream publication to write for? Yeah, I guess, I guess I didn't think about that sort of thing. I did pitch to Men's Health just to try and build up the, the sort of my platform a little bit. I read a lot of articles when I'm researching a topic, mm -hmm. but I don't, I don't have a subscription to any publication. I do read quite a few books, non-fiction books, and so I think that's why I've had the focus towards a book as opposed to getting articles published in, in wherever it might be, Psychology Now or Scientific American or something. But I'm not technically a scientist, uh, even though I... I did work as a scientific researcher for a year and a half in Australia and did very well in sciences at school. And I've always had that sort of critical side to my thinking. 
but obviously I'm not a scientist. So I don't know. My, my work is, is very, it's always got a philosophical angle. It's always got a new perspective that's often untried or untested. And I try and make the point I'm making, back it up with science, but it's often it's a new, it's a new way of looking at a, at a problem. And there's a few of those in the book. Have you ever thought about writing a memoir? It sounds as though you've had a really interesting life. I feel like I'm too young still to write like, a <laughs> memoir. It has crossed my mind. Because I started just writing a, you know, a diary on my phone about seven years ago, seven or eight years ago. My grandmother has Alzheimer's and has, had, it had just started and she, she, she was at home and she was living by herself and she was having trouble putting the heating on. It was in Palmanova and I thought I'd better go check to see if she needs the heating put on. And when I got there, she was holding a mop. There was blood all over the floor. Oh, no. And... And she was kind of just moving it around because she didn't really have good vision. And I took her to the hospital. And then when I was sitting in the hospital in the waiting room, I'd recently broken up with my fiancé at the time as well. And I just started writing. And I did that for about a year and a half. And it was only a short break from there before I started writing the book. So even though the book isn't, isn't my life, I think I, I found that same kind of escape in the same way I had with the, with the diary. And so... There's, there's some work there about you know my experiences in my life, and yes, I definitely would. I don't know if my public image would do so well if I if I put all of it out in the open just yet. I think I'll wait until I'm a bit older. I spoke to somebody else who admitted without prompting that she had an idea for a memoir, and she said, "But I won't be able to publish it until I'm very old." We all have stories to tell. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I think I'll put that on the shelf for a while, but I think it's something I will do. Yeah, I think I've got some interesting stories. Exercise for you. How do you think that's helped you writing? I guess the problem for me writing the book was having the perspective, the true perspective of somebody who doesn't exercise, really being able to empathise with that character. Because I exercise regularly, even if it's just 10 push-ups. I very rarely miss a day. And then I'll still exercise, do a reasonable workout quite frequently. So I'm always in reasonably good shape. And so I sort of connect with the benefits I have from that. But again, as I was saying, it's hard for me to connect with the consequences or, or how I would feel if I wasn't exercising. What everyone tells you is, you know, you have more energy, better focus, your brain function is better. And I guess if I have sort of downtime, I do notice that. And I guess I do feel more sharp, more aware if I'm preparing for like a, a race or something uh, or a competition, then I'll be slightly more fit, slightly sharper and appreciating those benefits even more. Is there any other way? Well... One of the things that would go in the second book is obviously why we should exercise is when we learn to establish these routines with exercise, then they transfer to other areas of our life, like having a writing habit or mm. whatever. The whole business of habits is quite interesting, isn't it? And with writing, it's definitely a habit. I think if you want to become a full-time author, you need to have a habit of writing every day, don't you? even if you don't feel like it. Yeah, I think it's it's... I've almost, I've not forgotten, but now, now that the books, you know, I'm at a very sort of the nice stage where I've sort of written the book and going back to it and, and tweaking things is quite, you know, it's quite a treasure because, oh, look at it, it's finished. I, I, I sort of climbed to the top of the mountain and I was looking at the view. <laughs> Obviously, a lot of the time it was, oh, I don't know what I meant to write. I don't know how to write it. I really don't want to write anything. And there's those moments where it's just like, if this is going to happen, you just got to sit down. Stay in your chair. The longer you stay in your chair, staring at the screen, you know, the faster it's going to go, the better you're going to get as a writer, if that's what you really want, which is what I really wanted. 
and it and it happens. You can't edit a blank page, can you? Better no. just to vomit yeah, it as you do, yeah, and yeah. Then to sort it off. I don't. I'd be surprised if a single letter from that first vomit of what was it, like twenty thousand words still remains in my book. Mm. But it gave me the material to work with. Have you been able to engage much with a, a writing community in Mallorca? Because there are quite a lot of writers here. Not really. I did give my book a couple of weeks ago to Vicky McLeod, uh, who I know from, from CrossFit Mallorca, and she's a friend. And she's reading at the moment. I haven't had any feedback yet, so we'll see uh, what she says. But apart from that, no. I mean, I only moved back here. When I moved back here four years ago, so that's a while ago now. But for three years, I was writing the book in Hamburg. Uh, I did try to tap into community because obviously I appreciate the benefits of having people around you who are doing the same stuff. And there was a writer's room in Hamburg and I contacted them and I went there and knocked on the door. And then they said, oh, you can't just come in. You need to apply and like, oh, send an email. And he said, oh, no worries. We'll put you in the waiting list. Um, it'll probably be about four or five months before you can start. And of course, that never happened. And I was always trying to find someone or a group. I think Medium was a big step forward for me you know medium the online publication yes. platform the, the the youtube of of words finding that was b- big help for me because suddenly it was a place where i could put articles out there people want to read my stuff there you go it's out in the open now because i before i'd never really had anything out in the open i said i'm writing a book i've been writing it for three years and then said or four years and people said can i read something i said no can i read anything you've written no and i thought well that's really well that's really a lot of nonsense Simon if you're claiming to be a writer and no one can read anything you've written and you're not putting anything out there so I started just publishing articles on Medium and there's a lot of articles on Medium about how to write and tips on writing and you know the highs and lows of writing and that's a community that I've tapped into and really benefited from yeah Yeah. for you what's been the chief high of writing I mean there are moments in it when I've been writing and thinking wow I'm, I'm well flowing which is something that I I guess I'd experienced in sport when I was younger. I played a lot of sport at university and school. But I don't think I'd been in flow state in any activity. I didn't really play any musical instrument to that level. And so to suddenly be in a space where... And I, and I make references in the book because obviously flow state is something that happens in sport all the time. But just times where I'd just be typing and everything around me just sort of disappears and the screen sort of moves forward to your face and you're kind of going through sort of like a wormhole in writing <laughs> and my reflective system in my brain is, is completely attuned with my sort of automatic system and everything is just focused in on one one task and the writing that's a really satisfying feeling and then when I suddenly saw the light in the tunnel when I finally realized that I was actually going to finish the book that I'd managed to you know you know so when you suddenly see the puzzle and you're like oh my god I'm actually going to finish this puzzle I've only got a few pieces left and it's, it's there when I, when I realized that you know the feelings are for me they were very very powerful and you know that's why that's why I do it. It, it is, for me it was priceless to to have that sense of accomplishment because it was something that by my merits beforehand I had no right in saying I'm going to write a book like this and so to get to the end there's been moments of uh, yeah I, I, I think I can say ecstasy yeah well that's good that's good of course you've still got some of the painful part to come which is the getting published getting published and getting rejected and you know I read which I think is turning out to be very true you know a writer who doesn't expect to get rejected is like a boxer expecting not to get punched in the face and so i'm i'm taking yeah a few punches to the face but like i said you know the end game for me is talking to people about my book that are interested in doing more exercise saying if you want to read it you can you can get it here and there's absolutely nothing stopping me from getting to that to that point so 
Are you a good social media person? Are you going to be able to promote your book on social media? No, I'm not. And that's one literary agent got back to me and said, it's just impossible to get this sort of thing off the ground, pump up your Instagram account and start a podcast. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, okay. So I am thinking about the podcast, the Instagram account. The irony is, is that when I started writing the book, I deleted Facebook completely. I deleted, I did, never had, I'd never had an Instagram account at that point. And I got rid of all social media. And I'd never done Twitter and anything like that because I was like, well, I don't want to be distracted with that. I want to be working on my book. And then, of course, now I finished the book. I'm not complaining. But you need the social there media. Is a, there is an irony. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's the problem with social media. It does take you away from, from writing time. Well, it can easily be a distraction. But when you've got the book to promote, you do need the social media accounts. Good luck. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I did set them up again two years ago. Yeah. So. But you do have a website. Yes. And there'll be information on there about the book. Yep, there is, yeah. Yes. Tell us what the book's called, Simon. The book is called uh, Working It Out, a story about life, laziness, and what actually makes us exercise. It's a good title and a good subtitle as well, which is also very important. When do you think we might see it published? I know it's a bit like saying how long's a piece of string when you're still trying to get it published. I'd like to think some point in this summer I think I could say to people, you want to buy it? This is where you can order it. And you'll do it from Amazon, probably. I'll definitely do the Kindle version from Amazon. And yes, uh, possibly the first, I don't know, I'm still figuring this out, but possibly the first few hundred copies or hundred copies, if I get that far, will just be through me. And I can deliver it to people or send it off to people. And then I have to dig deeper and learn about the Amazon shipping process and printing process. But the online Kindle version, definitely through Amazon, yes. Yeah, it's quite easy, actually. Yeah, and you said, and, and I've been reading some blogs on it and stuff, apparently it's quite easy. So. Yeah, well, good luck. It Thank seems you. to be the way to go these days. It's so difficult to get a publisher. And, of course, as a writer, you're not going to get rich, but I don't suppose that bothers you too much. No. Um, From what you've said, it's it's all about getting it out there and getting across your message. It's also just, just I wanted to write a book, and I wanted to achieve that. Uh, at some point in my life, and, and now I've done that, and now I can go and do something else, which is also a really nice feeling. Uh, well, good luck with that, thank Simon. You. Thank you very much for talking to Authors in Mallorca. I wish thank you lots you. of luck. Thank you very much. It's an exciting stage you're at at the moment. Yes, it is. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Simon Kenyon Shears, the fitness author, talking about his first book, Working It Out. See this episode's show notes for details of how to pre-order the book, find out more about Simon and links to some of his published articles. Thank you for listening to Authors in Mallorca and I hope you'll join me for the next episode. Until then, bye for now. Authors in Mallorca is produced and presented by me, Jan Edwards. The theme tune was composed by Jack Waldenmeyer and published by Music Bakery Publishing. Music Bakery Publishing